0: The Automotive News Canada podcast is brought to you by Diamond Coat. Did you know Diamond Coat has a 96% claims approval rate? This translates into happy customers and repeat service business. But really, you get much, much more when you become a Diamond Coat dealer. Advantages like in-house chemical manufacturing, product fulfillment, bilingual claims support, and a highly experienced team with decades of F&I experience. Visit diamondcoat.com to get started. Diamond Coat. We've got you covered. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the August 26th, 2022 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Lason, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today has been watching the evolution of the Canadian automotive supply chain. He's been at just about every big announcement made since the beginning of the year. Today, he'll explain what the latest agreements between Canada and Volkswagen and Canada and Mercedes-Benz mean to the country's industry. He'll break down how the auto industry is changing and tell us how the new U.S. EV tax credit could further affect the battery supply chain here in Canada. All that and more when I speak with Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief David Kennedy on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. David, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Let's start here. Explain to me exactly what it is the government of Canada signed with Mercedes-Benz and with Volkswagen earlier this week.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it was a couple of deals to basically collaborate on uh, the critical mineral side of the EV battery supply chain. And, you know, there were no real firm commitments on investment or anything of that nature. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's two deals with two major automakers that uh, Canada didn't have before. So that's certainly positive. But at the same time, you know, I guess from my view, anyway, they did it did lack any firm commitments to actually invest some money in Canada. So, you know, it was strongly implied that uh, over the next few months and, uh, you know, years, we will see more come out of this, uh, you know, from the probably likely uh, mining offtake agreements where uh, these German automakers can basically source minerals from Canadian mines, as well as, you know, possible investments uh, on the processing side within Canada. A lot of it remains to be seen at this point uh, because it is sort of a non-binding memorandum of understanding is uh, the exact terminology for it.
0: And that's what I wanted to ask. I mean, the mineral aren't necessarily Canada's property to dole out and promise to someone, right? A private company has to come in and mine them and someone has to refine them and then they have to be purchased by these automakers. So is there a lot of weight in that agreement to ensure that that
1: does eventually happen? So I I guess not really within the agreement itself. We'll see what comes of it in terms of that. It's just the because, as you said, the, the minerals are not necessarily the federal governments to give at this point. Uh, you know, there's there's companies who have been doing exploring, you know, for years uh, when it comes to lithium or nickel or cobalt or any range of battery minerals that, that you know, are in demand at the moment. Uh, so we won't see that directly. You know, it's not going to come from the Canadian government, certainly. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it does show that there's definitive interest from these two automakers to strike some deals uh, with Canadian companies companies moving forward. And I think, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we had the visit from the German chancellor. And, you know, I think probably both uh, him and Trudeau were looking for some concrete steps uh, to, you know, uh, show off the relationship between the two countries. And this was a good one uh, to show that we are working on it, even though there was a lack of, uh, of clear, definitive investments. Uh, I think it does show momentum. And that's, uh, you know, even talking to uh industry minister, uh, Champagne, after the event, you know, he he basically said as much that this cements the interest of the German automakers in Canada. And, you know, the next steps are coming. The investments are coming. Uh, And we did see an early one too. Uh, Again, it was tentative, but uh, Mercedes-Benz did announce sort of a preliminary agreement with a Canadian mining company called Rocktech Lithium that is developing a project in Ontario and actually a processing plant in Germany itself. So they announced a sort of preliminary agreement to supply 10,000 tons of lithium hydroxide starting in 2026. Uh, So, you know, that did come out of it. But at the same time, you know, that's one deal among many, many, many deals that these companies are going to need to provide battery materials that they actually need to, to produce millions of EVs.
0: On the surface, it looks like these agreements were signed because of the U.S. EV tax credit, which is only available on vehicles electric vehicles made in North America or equipped with batteries with a certain percentage of content from countries the U.S. considers friendly trade partners. And I know this was discussed this week at the announcements, but was this the case? Did these two agreements come about because of that U.S. EV tax
1: credit? Well, interestingly enough, uh, not, uh, you know, neither company really pointed directly to the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. as, you know, the main impetus for this. Both, you know, both said the, that the conversations with the Canadian government have been ongoing for four or five months, uh, which, of course, you know, long predates uh, the actual passing of that bill in the U.S. So, I mean, as much as the, the bill has kind of been on the back burner for some time, I think uh, it came as a bit of a surprise for everybody over the last few weeks when we actually saw some of the details and the sort the of rigidness of the rules around raw material supply to actually qualify for the full tax credit in the U.S. Uh, and I think, you know, if you could kind of get the sense from both the companies, uh, both Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagen, you could kind of tell that this was a little bit more aggressive than they expected the U.S. to be on that. So while the MOUs were not necessarily built around that, it kind of plays right into their hands because it is, you know, these deals are with uh, Canada or prospective deals are with Canada. And, you know, obviously, Canadian minerals will qualify for that tax credit in the US. Uh, so it helps them. It's just, uh, I, you know, I think it was a little bit uh, fortuitous when it comes down to it, because neither was really willing to say that uh, it was, you could draw a direct line between uh, the MOUs and uh, the bill in the US. We'll be right back
0: after
2: this short break. Everyone wants a new vehicle, including thieves. Across Canada, We're facing massive inventory shortages and delivery delays. This is now causing vehicle theft and carjackings to rise. In response, Diamond Coat partnered with KYCS. That stands for Keep Your Community Safe, Global Inc. to offer Invisitrack Plus, the best available stolen vehicle recovery system on the market today. This covert device can be used within your dealership to track, maintain, and safeguard your assets. Or it can be sold on its own. As an upgraded hardware option to our Invisitrack theft deterrent labels. Working exclusively with Crime Stoppers, we're able to connect with local law enforcement almost immediately after a vehicle is reported stolen. Not only can you rely on our expansive network to help recover your vehicle, our Invisitrack Plus is also backed with warranty benefits like partial and total loss prevention, trip interruption benefits, and more, with terms available up to 60 months. For more information on how you can protect your lot, and offer the same great recovery benefits to your customer visit diamondcoat.com diamondcoat we've got you covered
0: welcome back to the podcast where i'm speaking with automotive news canada toronto bureau chief david kennedy okay so that wasn't the case with these two automakers clearly you just mentioned it you, you can't draw a direct line from that bill to these announcements but i have to ask could it be the case moving forward would we see other automakers other Battery companies, other producers jumping into Canada because of the U.S. EV tax credit. What's the scuttlebutt out there when it comes to how that new law in the U.S. could affect investment in Canada, be it mining or refining or battery production?
1: Oh, I think it's uh, undoubtedly uh, will lead to some further investments in Canada. And I think, you know, basically since the bill was announced, uh, everybody uh, expected that to happen uh, simply because, you know, it, the the rule is, as I said, fairly rigid. And in order to qualify for the full portion of the tax credit, you have to be, uh, I think the terminology is a free trade partner with the United States and Canada, of course, is. And, you know, we're one of the few countries that actually has the mineral wealth to deliver on this. When it came to these particular deals with the Volkswagen. And Mercedes, you know, obviously both are European automakers that rely, have relied anyway in the past on Russia for a lot of materials. Uh, And, you know, they're going to need to reassess that in in light of the bill as well as, you know, just uh, current events uh, with. The war in Ukraine. It kind of all adds together when it comes to it and, you know, creates this investment climate for Canada, which I think is a lot more positive than we've seen in a long time. Uh, and it, it, certainly you're going to see further investments from other companies. You know, we've seen a number already. You know, we saw the battery plant from Stellantis and LG earlier this spring. We saw uh, in Beck Core, GM and Posco coming together, German chemical firm BASF coming into there. The most recent one uh, was Umicore, just outside Kingston, has committed to a uh, materials, uh, battery raw materials plant there. So I think this is going to continue to sort of take off. Uh, and I think we're also ex- seeing it at this point sort of extend down into the mining realm itself, because, you know, as we think of the traditional supply chain and automotive, you know, it kind of ends at the assembly line for Uh, A lot of these automakers in the past, you know, they source parts from all sorts of parts suppliers, but other than engines and transmissions, they haven't been particularly proactive in actually producing components themselves. They outsource that uh, to their suppliers. But when it comes to the EV supply chain, a lot of automakers are looking to sort of bring more of that in-house. And, you know, you're seeing partnerships uh, forged between uh, automakers and battery makers to sort of co-create these batteries or some are even going out on their own Volkswagen for instance is really they've created a company in itself a subsidiary to work on battery production so a lot are working more towards battery production and even more uh, we're gonna see them go into the mining realm we've seen some investments uh, I mentioned the rocktech uh, lithium agreement between uh, with mercedes-benz and uh, we're gonna see more of those uh, direct co- partnerships uh, with between automakers and mining firms which you know is something uh, five years ago I think uh, a lot of people couldn't have imagined
0: and I wanted to touch on that I mean just how big is the battery materials mining and processing industries in Canada right now how big of a part are they in automotive and how big can it get it seems like and correct me if I'm wrong this is sort of like a new brand new supply chain in the auto industry that Canada can take full advantage of
1: Oh, that's absolutely the case. And I, I think everybody agrees on that, that. There's a huge opportunity here. And, you know, more than one when it comes down to it. Just to touch on a couple, uh, you know, Canada is already a, a very major supplier of nickel. You know, we have like large nickel deposits. Uh, we've mined nickel for 100 years in Sudbury. Everybody knows that. Uh, but there's also some other you know developments that are being moved forward too. And uh, so like today, Canada produces about 7% of the world's nickel but unlike some of the other battery materials that are much uh, more rare nickel is used in a lot of different things you know stainless steel for instance is a huge huge industry in itself that uses a lot of nickel so and nickel demand for batteries is also high because the chemistry that basically produces the batteries with the highest energy density which of course uh, is what a lot of people want uh, especially in North America because the distances to travel are farther and you get better range with a nickel battery the nickel demand is going to jump as well. So uh, it's starting from a higher threshold because we already produce a lot of nickel. But in order to sort of stay at our 7% or even grow that 7% of production in Canada, we're going to need to see a number of new mines open up. Uh, and there, you know, there's an interesting report this spring from the International Energy Agency that said 60 new mines, uh, that's global, will be required for basically the world to meet this ramp up in nickel demand. So we're going to see nickel really take off in Canada and we're seeing some early investments there already. But then lithium, of course, is the other one uh, and probably the more valuable one when it comes down to it. It's not going to be we're not going to see the same volumes of lithium be produced as we already are of nickel. But Canada has a lot of lithium, uh, and as some technologies become more advanced, we're likely to see more projects get advanced as well. In eastern Canada, both Quebec and Ontario have a number of uh, what they call hard rock deposits. Uh, So, you know, that's more of your traditional mine, you know, as you imagine, kind of an open pit mine. And then process later into, you know, they process the rock and produce lithium hydroxide, which is used in batteries. So that's sort of Eastern Ontario's claim to fame on the lithium front. But then Western Canada, too, has a lot of what they call brine deposits. Uh, so Alberta in particular uh, is really looking at this industry and, you know, kind of, you know, not not exactly in, so, in this term, but, uh, you know, create a new oil boom, so to speak, uh, because the lithium brines in Alberta uh, are enormous. There is still an if there, though, whether or not uh, the technology that they're developing to actually extract this lithium is cost effective. Uh, So and it applies the same in the US. A lot of the California for brine deposits, for instance, rely on a new technology that is kind of unproven at a large scale. So, you know, the next few years will be very telling to see how much lithium North America is actually able to produce and whether or not uh, it will go the hard rock direction or more on the brine side.
0: So your column in the August print edition, which is now online also at automotivenews.ca, addressed the federal government's minerals and battery strategy. These are, you know, the efforts that they've put forth to lure battery production, uh, battery materials processing, and now the mining portion of it. So I have to ask, how do you think that federal plan of attack is going? I know you wrote about it, but tell our listeners where you stand on that and, and your thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I guess I'm
1: surprised. Uh, you know, when we, we, we started hearing about this last fall, sort of the, the real push at both the federal and Ontario provincial level, you know, you have to be skeptical, I guess, coming into this stuff. This isn't exactly new to see the Canadian Ontario government's trying to bolster its auto industry by, you know, whatever is new. But, you know, they've actually delivered. Uh, we've seen a ton of investments this spring, and I mentioned a few of them earlier. And they really do seem to be uh, lining. Up a number more, as much as uh, you know, we didn't actually see firm commitments to Canada uh, in the Volkswagen or Mercedes announcements in August. Chances are more are coming. Uh, that's certainly every indication that we get from both the federal and provincial government is that there's a lot more still in the hopper here. So I think you know when it comes down to it, they were in the right place at the right time, uh, and you know actually were able to deliver. They're having the right conversations with the automakers uh you know champagne for instance went to germany four or five months ago and that's how this process got started he was in japan not too too long after uh so you know we might see some of those come to fruition before too long as well
0: david kennedy always following the breadcrumbs even if they are uh international travel plans by ministers in our federal government but you're on top of this and i appreciate it and i thank you for the insight and of course thank you for being my guest this week on the podcast thanks for having me i want to thank david for being my guest this week if you'd like to be a guest on the show have a suggestion or simply want to comment email me at glason at autonews.com and remember you can listen to all our previous podcasts on spotify itunes and google play or on our website automotivenews.ca just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. that does it for this episode of the automotive news canada podcast we hope you'll join us next time so long everybody